Part of the reason why I wanted to share Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44 with you this morning is because it's the feeding of the 5,000. You say, that's awesome. I, I know the feeding of the 5,000. But the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle aside from the resurrection that's recorded in all the Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you know that it's a special portion of Scripture. And uh, I pray that as we go through it today, that the Lord would speak to us, the Lord would convict us, give us something to take home, to apply. Uh, but speaking of prayer, let's pray um, as we open up God's word there in Mark chapter 6. Uh, God, we come before you. We're thankful for your presence in this place and in our lives. And Lord, as we do open up your word and as, uh, Lord, we, we look at the feeding of the 5,000 and later the feeding of the 4,000, God, that you would give us this portion of scripture, give us a verse to hold on to, that we would be able to apply it today, that we would be able to apply it this upcoming week. Uh, God, prepare us for what's to come. Open up our understanding uh, today, God. We thank you again for your presence in this place and in our lives. And, and God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our lives. May you fill us. God, may you fill me now to overflowing. Uh, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so there in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44, I'd like to read through the portion of Scripture first and then kind of dive a little deeper uh, into it verse by verse. So what we'll do is we'll read those verses, and they're starting in verse 30 of Mark 6. It says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And verse 33 says, but the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Verse 36 there of Mark 6, it says, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And in verse 39, it says, then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 
12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Really an incredible portion of scripture, an incredible miracle that I'm sure a lot of us in this room have heard of, right? A lot of us in this room maybe have sat through a teaching like this. And um, I want to bring your attention to, uh, to our website, right, at calvarymiami.com. There's, there's teaching archives that we have there from, from past years. And I was able to listen to Pastor Raz teaching on this portion of Scripture back in 2019. And if you're ever hungry for more of God's Word, you can tune into 104.7 and listen into the radio station. But what an incredible resource we have online of, of just teachings that uh, have been taught from, from this very pulpit in the past years. And I was able to listen through some of those and um, read through other commentaries. And we see there in verse 30 that it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And here we see a sense of accountability. And I love that because there needs to be accountability in ministry. You see, earlier in the chapter there in Mark 6, in verses 7 through 12, that Jesus had sent the disciples off uh, into the towns in Galilee. And here they're reporting back to Jesus. They're reporting back to him and they're saying, Jesus, these are all the things that we've done. These are all the things that we've taught. And oftentimes we'll only do that, right, when things are going well. We'll get back and we'll say, all of this happened. But when something's a little off or, right, when we've fallen off of a rocker a tad bit, we, we don't seek that accountability. And the accountability that we should have in ministry should be throughout. And we see there that the disciples, they gathered with Jesus. They tell him all things that had happened there around the towns in Galilee, both what they had done and what they had taught. And we see in verse 31, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Ministry sometimes like that, right? You come and you serve and you're, you know, in the parking lot or you're, you know, serving in cafe and before you know it, it's lunchtime and you realize, I skipped out on breakfast, right? Or you realize, man, it's, it's dinner time and I haven't had breakfast or lunch, and, and ministry can be busy. Ministry can, can be a lot. But here we see Pastor Jesus, and he tells the disciples, okay, it, you've done a lot. Now it's time to rest for a while. And, and that's healthy, right? It, it, I'm thankful that, that Pastor Zach was able to go to that wedding, that he was able to enjoy of, you know, the, the presence with other brothers, other like-minded believers, to be able to enjoy of that wedding and, you know, to, to be able to know that we're here and we're still going through the word chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And, 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 and pastors and servants, we need that rest. We need to be able to sit at Jesus' feet because if not, we begin to do things in our own strength. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's when we get real tired and things could get messy. You know, here at Calvary Miami, if you're serving, we, we, we make sure that if you serve a certain week that you're also sitting 
in one of the services that you're receiving so that as you receive, you could then pour out to others. It's so important to be able to sit at Jesus' feet. It's important to be filled by him, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that then we could pour out into others. And here, they had done a lot. The disciples had done a lot. Jesus, he, he, he notices it. He says, okay, uh, let's, let's get ourselves to a deserted place and let's rest for a while. And we see in verse 33, but the multitudes saw them departing and many knew him, speaking of Jesus, and they ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. You see, it was a much simpler way to, to get to a place. If, if you were willing to get on a boat and, and go through, through the sea there, it was, it, was, it was much easier to arrive to another place. And yet this multitude is willing to meet him where he is going and go on land, a much more difficult way of getting there. And not only are they willing to do that, but it says that they get there before he does, before the disciples do. And in verse 34, it says, Jesus, when he came out, saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, hey, this is a deserted place and already the hour's late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. I want you to take note of the contrast that we have here, right? The difference between the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest example, right? Jesus is the example that we should, that we should take. Jesus is the example that, that we should look at and we should say, I want to look like that. I want to be like that. I want to minister the way that he ministered to the people. And the disciples, rightfully so, they were tired. They, they had done a lot. It says there that the day was now far spent and that the multitude was still there. So oftentimes the disciples would look at the crowds and they would see them as if they were work. They would see them as if, man, what is going to be the next demand? What is going to be the next thing that they ask for? And we have to be careful when serving the Lord becomes that. When serving the Lord becomes just a job. When serving the Lord just becomes, what is going to be the next thing that's demanded of me? You see, we don't see that here from Jesus. What we see from Jesus is that he was moved with compassion over the crowd. And that's where we should be, right? That, that is what our heart should look like when we think of God's people, when we think of serving others, when we think of the multitude of those that would enter through those doors as we serve them on Wednesdays and on Sundays and throughout the week. We should be moved with compassion the same way that Jesus was moved with compassion here for the multitude. And if you click on that word, compassion, um, it could be defined as a genuine, a true concern for the people, for their sufferings, for their misfortunes, for the things that they've gone through. It, it, it's actually 
the deepest of compassion uh, that you could talk about. It, it, says, it says that, that word, it, it, it really literally means coming from within our, our bowels. And if that could be translated to today, it's the way that we would say it is coming from, from within our hearts. And it was a genuine love, a genuine concern that Jesus had for the people. And unfortunately, we don't see that from the disciples in this point in time. They saw it as work. They saw it as, what's the next thing that I'm going to have to do? But Jesus, he was moved with compassion. And why was he moved with compassion? Well, it tells us there. It says that the people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And now, we live in Miami, so I don't know how many of you have sheep in your backyard or how many of you, you know, just go off to a candle and just see some sheep. None of us, right? But sheep without a shepherd, you see, they can't fend for themselves. They can't protect themselves against predators. Sheep without a shepherd, it's known that they have a hard time to feed themselves. They have a hard time to find water. Sheep without a shepherd, they are lost. And when Jesus, when he saw the multitude, this is what he saw. He saw a lost people that were in need of saving. He saw a lost people that were in need of a shepherd. And he was moved with a genuine compassion for them. And as we think of people in our lives, whether it be people in this room, whether it be family members, friends, co-workers, I'm sure someone comes to mind that is just so far lost. Someone that's so far gone from God's truths, from the reality of, of, of God's Bible, from the reality of, of the words that he's left us. And they're just so far gone. And as those people would come to mind, it would be wise to pray for them. There's power in prayer. And if it's gotten to the point where serving those people or reminding them of the good news has become work, then let's analyze where we're at today because we don't see that here with Jesus. They, they, they had all the reason, Jesus had all the reason to say, guys, day's getting late. Just go off and, and feed yourselves. Uh, you know, I've taught you a lot of things today. Uh, lesson's over. Uh, you're gone, you know, go your way. But we don't see that with Jesus. And we could ask ourselves a question. How do we respond to the need around us? How do we respond to the need around us? We think of the west coast of Florida, right? And just all that they've gone through because of this hurricane. And there's a need there. I had the privilege of going to Calvary Chapel Merritt Island uh, this past Thursday and all of the different pastors and assistant pastors from the state of Florida some of them were able to get away there and, you know, they kind of gave an update of, of how their churches were doing and how their local areas were doing. And one of the pastors that, that shared was uh, the pastor from, from Punta Gorda, from Calvary Chapel Punta Gorda. And that's one of the relief centers that, that there is. And he just shared of the need that there is in the West Coast. And as, as a church, we've been sending off, you know, on Fridays and on Saturdays, uh, missions groups to, to go up there and, and to help those that are in need. And you think of, you know, being able to clear someone's yard or being able to 
clear up their house and, you know, assist them in that way. And, and, and all those things are great. But what this pastor from Calvary Chapel, Punta Gorda, what he mentioned was that they're doing that. But not only are they doing that, they're realizing that there's a true hunger for God's word. You see, the people are hungry for the Lord. They're, they're hungry for the truth. And as they go out and, and as they, they do these things that many others are trying to go and do and charge them thousands of dollars for, for just a day's work, charge them ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and take advantage of them. They're doing it for free, and these people are are pulling out their paychecks and saying, "How much do we owe you?" And they're saying, "Can we just share the good news with you?" And they they're praying for them. They're being a light in the darkness. People are getting saved. The pastor says that you know, as, they, as they've been able to open up again at another facility, at another church that has opened up their doors for them to be able to have services on Sunday morning, that they're seeing a lot of those people come to those services. And lives are being changed. And what the enemy meant for evil, God is turning to good. And we see these opportunities, right? And we say, well, that's for someone else to go out and do, right? You say, I'm tired. This, this, this week has been long. Uh, the day is almost spent. We say, I can't give of my Saturday. They're waking up at 4.30 and they're leaving by 5 and they're coming back that same day at 10 p.m. I can't, I can't do that. But maybe God is calling you to do it. Maybe God is calling you to sign up for one of those one-day mission trips. And God wants to use you as the light. See, Jesus was moved with compassion for the people. Where are we at today? Does our heart break for those that are also brokenhearted? Where are we when it comes to God's people? Have they just become extra work? Have they just become an extra demand upon our busy weeks? Or do we love them the way that Jesus loved this multitude? The way that Jesus made sure to look at each one of them in the face and to say, this one has a need. This one's hungry. This one's hurt. And I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will do that, right? The Holy Spirit will show us this person needs a hug. And you may not know what they're going through, but the Holy Spirit has shown you that they just need a hug. And as you go and you hug them and you pray for them, they begin to weep and you realize that God's doing a work but will you allow yourself to be used by the Lord? Or have you gotten to the place where it's just too much? The, the, the job, the Monday through Friday, it's just, it's become too much and you can't serve God because of that. You're not willing to give him of a Saturday or of a Sunday. So we take Jesus, we take the disciples, and we know that Jesus was that perfect example. And we wanna look more like him each and every day as we minister to others. But there, in Mark chapter 6, verse 37, it says, he answered and he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? You see, it, it seems like if they hadn't even considered a miracle being an option. They, they, they come within uh, this situation, they say, God, what do you want us to do? Jesus, what do you want us to do? You want us to use over half of a year's salary so that we could barely provide for these people's meal today? And I love John's account. You don't have to turn there. 
I'll read it to you. And in John's account of this feeding of the 5,000, it says in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, and he said to Philip, he asked Philip most likely because he was familiar with the area. He says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6 there of John chapter 6 says, but this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, and that every one of them may have just a little. That every one of them would just have a little. Jesus, I could, we could spend half of our salary this year, and they would just have a little bit of food. Like, Jesus, do you see this doesn't make sense? Do do you realize what you're asking us to do? And that could be me, right? Just do you realize what you're asking me to do? Do Do you realize what you're asking me to give up? And we withhold things from him. As we'll see later on and we read in the feeding of the 4,000, we'll withhold things from God. But he asks him this question. He asks Philip this question, knowing the answer to it. So that he may, what? So that he may take inventory. And in verse 38, there of Mark chapter 6, it says that he said to him, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And again, in John's account, in chapter 6, verse 9, we see a little further into what's happening here. And it says there... A lad who was there, he, he, he had five barley loaves and two small fish. And he provided that to them. And it says there in verse 9, but what are they among so many? And these were five small barley loaves and two small fish. And really it was almost like a Lunchable. And a little kid was like, hey, I have a Lunchable, Jesus. And the disciples, I could think of them just looking at that lunchable and saying, um, 5,000, Jesus. There's a lot of people here. And he used that, that little lad. He used that boy for, they, for them to take inventory, for them to say, this is going to require a miracle. And he does that exactly And oftentimes he calls us to take inventory so that we would realize just just the miracle that he's about to complete in our lives. Oh, I I only have this much, and you're asking me to do this? You're asking me to go to this mission strip that costs this much money? Jesus, I'm a a young adult. I, I go to college. I don't have a job yet. And you're asking me to go to this mission strip? And God, where he guides he provides. Where he guides, he provides. So we see there in verse 39, and then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds, and in fifties. So it's done decently and, and in order. And I think of Friday nights, and you could, you could be praying for the youth group. We've been having consistently between 50 and 60 youth come out. And oftentimes we'll try to feed them either pizza or, you know, a meal. And 
teenage boys. You have, to, you have to do it decently or in order, or if not, the two slices of pizza that you bought for them will turn into eight and someone doesn't have a meal, right? So we see that when you serve the Lord, that you have to do things decently and in order, like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 14, verse 40. 50, 60 youth, 5,000 people. 5,000 people. What an incredible miracle that Jesus is about to perform, allow the disciples to uh, partake of. And we see there in verse 41 of Mark chapter 6 that when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. Verse 42, so they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. I turn your attention to verse 42. And did you catch that? Verse 42 says, they all ate, and not only did they eat, but they were filled. See, Jesus not only provides them with a meal, but he provides them with as much as they would want and more. And I got a phone call this weekend. It was from my, my abuela Mimi. And she said, hey, te tengo comida. I, ha- I have food for you. Come for lunch. And I knew that I had to fast, right? Because <laughs> abuelitas, when you get to their house, that is one way that they will show you their love. So I get there, and I'm going during my lunch break. I only have so much time, and she knows that, so she has the plate there prepared for me. And I look at it, and it's a, it's a big plate of food. And I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? And I'm almost through with that whole plate of food, and she has this thing where she doesn't sit, right? She sits on the other side of the counter. It's one of those, you know, counters that's attached to the kitchen, and she just looks at me eat. And I'm almost done eating, and I see her going back to where the food's at. <laughs> and I know what's coming, a second helping, right? And she comes back and she slaps another, <laughs> another portion of food on my plate. And of course, I ate it, right? <laughs> and we see there that Jesus does this. He not only provides for the 5,000, but he provides for them until they are full. And guess what? There was leftovers. And oftentimes when you go to Abuelita's house, what happens? You take leftovers home, right? You have lunch for the next day and the day after. But it's one of the ways that I know that my Mimi shares her love with me. I know that it means a lot to her for me to go over and to partake of a meal. That's one of the ways that she tells me, I I love you. Here, I I made this for you. And and Jesus, it's one of the ways that he showed compassion for the people, that he showed that he cared for them. He provided this meal, and they all ate, and not only did they eat, but they were filled. Verse 43 says that they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. In addition to all that the people had eaten. You see, guys, we can never outgive the Lord. 
He will provide exactly what we need and oftentimes even so much more. And we see that this is the feeding of the 5,000, right? And like was mentioned before, you see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see it throughout all the Gospels. But we also see the feeding of the 4,000. And I welcome you to turn to Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, we'll read through verses 1 through 10. And when we take verses to account, like John chapter 21, verse 25, where it says, and there also... There were also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written, amen. And when we take a verse like that into consideration, we think to ourselves, okay, all all four gospels covered the feeding of the 5,000. Why did they take up space to, to write a similar miracle in God's word the feeding of the 4,000. And one of the important things that we could take note of is where the feedings took place, where the miracles took place. You see, the feeding of the 5,000 took place near Bethsaida or near the Sea of Galilee, a predominantly Jewish area. And the feeding of the 4,000, as we'll read now, in a region of Gerasenes, near Decapolis. And this region it was predominantly Gentile. And what we could take from that is that his compassion it was not only for the Jewish people, it was not only for his people, but it was for me and for you here today. It was for all people. He was moved with compassion for all of his people. And I don't know about you, but that brings me comfort today. And if you're sitting in these blue chairs today, God is reaching out to you because he loves you. And he cares for you. He has compassion over your life. And similarly to the way that we read through verse 30 through 44 of Mark chapter 6, I'd like for us to read through verses 1 through 10 of Mark chapter 8 in the feeding of the 4,000. And it says there in verse 1 of chapter 8, there in Mark, that in those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, that Jesus called his disciples to him, said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to set them before them Verse 8, there in Mark chapter 8 says, So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Immediately got into the boat and his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. 
So we see there in Mark chapter 8 that in verse 1, we could take uh, Jesus, his example, and try to apply that to our walks. Try to apply that to the way that we disciple others, to the way that we serve others, to the way that we treat others. And I love Pastor Jesus because he's the greatest example that we have. And he was moved with compassion for the people. You say to yourself, you know, that, that's awesome for someone that's a pastor. Or that's awesome for someone that's serving. And dads, I could remind you that you're the pastor of your home. That you're the pastor of, of your wife and, and your children. And that it's much more than just work. It's much more than something that would become burdensome. Are you still moved with compassion over your family, over your wife, over your children? And I love Jesus because he knew the state of his flock. He knew the state of the people that were before him. And in Proverbs 27, verse 23, it says the following. It says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. You see, when we read through the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus was moved with compassion before them because of what? Because of the fact that he realized that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And here, he takes inventory, he looks at the people, and he says, they have now continued with me for three days. So he knew for how long they had been with him. It says that they had nothing to eat. He realized that they were hungry, that they hadn't been fed. It says that they came from afar. So he knew where they came from. He knew where they resided. He knew where their houses were. He knew the state of the flock. What a great example for us to follow. Do we know the state of the flock, the state of those that have been entrusted under us? whether it be our household, whether it be here at Calvary Chapel, Miami, and the different ministries that we may oversee, do we know the state of the flock under us? And it says there that if they would have been on their way and they would not have been fed, that they would have fainted. And I clicked on that word fainted, and the definition of that word fainted is one that is weak. It's one that is close to losing consciousness. It's one that has extreme exhaustion. And there's a lot of people, right, that'll come through those doors and will have a big smile on their face. Will come through those doors and they have the joy of the Lord. But they're going through a lot. And they'll keep it to themselves. But when we purpose to have meaningful conversations, when we purpose to get here early and enjoy of breakfast at a table with someone, when we purpose to stay late and enjoy of, of lunch, right? When we purpose to reach out to a brother or to a sister and say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner this week? When we purpose to send out that text message or make that phone call, we realize that although they may have a smile on their face, although they may have that joy that only comes from the Lord, that they're going through a lot. And that begins to open up our, our eyes to the true state of the flock, the true state of those that are around us. 
And if we're not careful, it just becomes business as usual. I'll be here every Sunday for 11 a.m. service. I'll be here on Wednesdays. I'm a young adult, I'll be here on Mondays. I'm a youth, I'll be there on Fridays. And it just becomes a routine. And before you know it, we have that same heart that the disciples had, that same heart where it becomes work. It just becomes another thing that we have to do, another thing that we add to the to-do to the, to the to list. That didn't come out right, but you guys follow. But Pastor Jesus, he was diligent to know the state of the flock. He knew that he had to feed them. If not, they would faint. And in verse 4, it says, Then his disciples, they answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. See, these same disciples, they had already witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. You say, there's no way that this is their response. How can one satisfy these people? Jesus, we're in the wilderness. Like, like if he hadn't completed such a similar miracle not too long ago. It, it, it's, it's incredible. But we could be like that, right? We think of God's faithfulness in our lives, in the past. And we think of just how good he's been to us, of the ways that he's provided for us. And now there's a new struggle or there's a new thing that we're going through. And we're like, oh, Jesus won't provide for this. Or we say, no, he won't, he won't be able to do this one for me. Now, nah, those, those miracles are for back then. And guys, Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles today. He is still in the business of doing miracles today. And salvation, it's a miracle. And like we mentioned before, we all have those family members. We all have those friends that don't know the Lord. Let's be praying for them. Let's be lifting them up that they would be able to partake of that same miracle that at some point we were able to partake of, of that free gift that he gave us. And verse 5, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. Verse 6 says, so he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. And I want you to notice a key difference here. You know how in the feeding of the 5,000, the Lord used that little lad, right? Used that, that boy to provide the Lunchable. Remember the Lunchable, right? That wasn't the case here. Jesus asked them of their own resources. Hey, how many loaves do you have? And God oftentimes will ask us of our own resources, right? And what we see here as we continue to read in verse 7, that after they had told him, hey, we have seven loaves of bread, and after he completes the miracle, that in verse 7 they say, hey, uh, we also have a few small fish. You see, they were withholding the fish just in case. Right? And God, when he calls us to give of something, oftentimes we're willing to give, but maybe not all that he's requiring of us. 
And partial obedience, guess what, family? It's disobedience. Partial obedience, it just leads to disobedience. We might as well not do it at all. And they withheld these fish just in case. I know that you did the feeding of the 5,000, but here's seven loaves. Hey, hide the fish, hide the fish. And we do that with God, right? We withhold things from him. Guys, it's safe to give it all to Jesus. And we see in verse eight, so they all ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. He can never outgive our Lord. You will never be able to outgive our Jesus. When he asks you for something, give it to him completely. Give all of who you are, whether that be your time. We spoke about, you know, potentially going on a short-term mission trip, on, on those one-day mission trips to the West Coast, and you say, well, I, I'm busy. I, I can't give up of my Saturday. But maybe God is calling you to give up of one of your Saturdays to go and to serve his people. And guys, what I found out in ministry, what I found out serving on Friday nights is that oftentimes we serve God's people. I serve the youth, right? Present them with the word and I feel like I'm the one leaving with more. I'm the one leaving filled. I'm the one leaving having been spoken to by our heavenly father. And that's the way that it is when we serve our God and when we give him our awe. You will never be able to outgive Jesus Verse 9, it says the following. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000. And he sent them their way and immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Damanutha. So we look at these two miracles. We ask ourselves, what's the significance of the two feedings? What's the significance of these two miracles. And one thing that we could take from it is that both miracles show the provision of the Lord. Where the Lord guides, he will provide. If we're willing to give him all that he asks, if we're willing to serve him with all that we are, he will provide whenever we're in need. And the second thing that we could take from it is just the compassion and the love that Jesus had for his people, both Jew and Gentile, all the people within this room, myself included, all of us sitting in the blue chairs, he has compassion for you. He knows the things that you've been going through this week. He knows the things you've been going through this month, the things you've been going through these past couple of years, the things that don't seem fair, the people that have hurt you. He knows those things. And he cares for you. He's filled with compassion for you. And he remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And no matter what you may face tomorrow, he will still be there alongside of you. I welcome you to turn to John chapter 6. And I'll give you a a little homework. Um, And when you go home, you can read through verses 22 through 40 of John chapter 6, but we'll just touch upon uh, two verses. 
And it says in John chapter 6, verse 35, that Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see, the crowd became preoccupied with the idea, with the notion that if they followed Jesus around, that he would provide for their needs, but their physical needs, that he would provide for the desires that they had in the time, the concerns that they had at the time, that he would take care of those specific concerns, and that's what they were worried about. And here Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life. Forget about that physical bread, right? Forget about that water. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. It says there in verse 40 of John chapter 6, as I welcome the worship team to come on up, it says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and will raise him up at the last day. Guys, that is the promise. That is the will of him who sent Jesus, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him would have everlasting life. That is the miracle. That is the great joy that we get as believers to share with others, to share the good news, to be the light in the darkness. We get to tell others that Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles, that no matter what hardship they're going through, no matter what difficulty they've faced, that Jesus has been there and will continue to be there for them. And we pray that as we would share that with people that are going through a tough time, again, thinking of that West Coast, you know, missions trip and all the people that have been able to go that way and all the praise reports that we've received from those that have been able to go and serve. The miracle has been that people have gotten saved, that the rest of eternity has changed for a couple people, that it's no longer life in hell, but life in heaven, being able to spend of the rest of forever with our heavenly father. And you say, how do we go to him? What's, what's a way that we could respond? And we see that there in Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 38. And we do that by taking up the cross and following him. There in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38, we'll read through that and then we'll close. It says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And as I welcome the pastors to come on up, and they'll be available for prayer. They'll be available for us that haven't made that decision yet to take up the cross, to follow him. For those that have walked away, for those of us that are no longer following him, they'll be present up here to pray with you. 
And I encourage you guys to come on up, to be able to lift up others within our family and with our friends in prayer. There's power in prayer. And it says in verse 35 there of Mark chapter 8, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. See, family, I leave you with this. Don't hold on to what is not yours. Give God all of who you are. Give him of your life. Give him of uh, your resources as he would call you to serve others. Serve them in gladness. Serve them with the same compassion that we saw Jesus serve the multitude. Give them your all because Jesus gave us his all.